This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. We close out June with another fun episode. We have Spirits 101 with Jake Solnick, and we talk Mexican spirits. And don't worry if you've enjoyed those. We've got a whole lot more of those coming this summer. We do Craft Beer 101 next month, Cocktails 101 with Jake in August, and then Whiskey 101 in September for our Whiskey Weeks. So a lot more uh, things to learn about as the summer moves along. We also have a great conversation with country artist Clay Hollis. Uh, on this episode and if you haven't yet check out hopspirits.com as we've updated our website with a whole bunch of new things uh it's a whole new look and uh, hopefully a whole lot easier to navigate and uh you know what let's not waste any more time and get into the fun it's almost time where did i where where did i put those here they are (laughs) it's time for tasting notes we're back again for our final Spirits 101 Tasting Notes with Jake Sollick, the Beverage Director Partner with the Professors LLC. Jake, it's it's good to go uh, one more time with this. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, now, I don't think this will be the last time I ever talk about Spirits 101, but for, for June, you know, we did gin, we did brandy, rum, and now yeah. I think one that we all love, uh, Mexican Spirits. And for those that don't know what we mean by Mexican Spirits, what are some of those and how do they differ? Yeah, Mexican spirits is, is, a, is a big one. And, and we're living in a time where not only is everyone really excited about it, but the rules and regulations for Mexican spirits are changing. Uh, they're changing yearly. So in the, in the last 20 years, we've seen a complete overhaul for how these kind of spirits are labeled. Generally, um, uh, I use Mexican spirits in lieu of the word mezcal. Most of the stuff that we're going to be talking today is grouped under mezcal in the same way that anything that is made from fruit generally is considered a brandy. Anything that's gonna be made from an agave is in the broad category of mezcal. Now there are a few teeny tiny little exceptions to that uh, that deal with certain plants that are no longer considered agave. But generally the overarching category we'll be talking about is gonna be mezcal. Now with that said, to a lot of us that, that now are getting into this, mezcal is kind of a different thing here, so to speak, than say a tequila, even though it's under the, <laughs> that they're all under that bigger umbrella. So tequila, for those that don't know, I have learned this over time. It must come from a certain region in Mexico, correct? The, or at least yeah, the plant yeah. can be distilled there. Yeah, yeah. One of five very specific states, the most famous of which is Jalisco, and in, in, especially in this part of the country, almost that's almost exclusively the tequila that you will drink, all of the big producers, all coming out of Jalisco. But there are actually five states that produce it. You can look at, at, at tequila is super heavily regulated, so you can look at it as something similar to American whiskey or scotch. There are a lot of laws, a lot of rules about how it has to be uh, produced. Uh, the biggest one being tequila is all made from agave, tequilana, weaver. So that's going to be a very specific, we call it the Blue Weber agave here. It's a one specific varietal of agave, although 40 to 50 different agaves can be used to make various kinds of mezcal. Tequila is always going to be that one specific kind. And I feel like, too, you know, as you kind of touched on at the beginning, there is a big, I feel like every day a new tequila comes out, hits the shelves. So when you're looking at that, 
shelf that has gone from maybe, you know, like one small rack of, yeah. of things we knew to now taking up an entire row or two. What What is it about tequilas that can differ? Because if you say it's very regulated, you might think of, well, it's, they're all the same, like, say, a vodka, um, all the different flavor profiles, clearly. But how can they be different when, when they all have to be kind of very regimented on their rules? The big indicator of quality for tequila is going to be making sure you buy something that's 100% blue agave. Uh, tequila only has to be made from 51% agave. So a lot of the stuff that you'll see on shelves are called mixtos, which means it's uh, at least 51% of agave, but then it's often like a beet sugar distillate that's blended with it or a sugarcane distillate that's blended with it. Some of the big brands that have 20 different bottles on the shelf in your liquor store, these are actually mixtos. They're not true tequilas in the sense that it is all agave spirit that's in the bottle. A lot of it is going to be sugarcane or something else that's really cheap and easy to produce. So you want to stick to something that's 100% blue agave. You also kind of want to understand that there are different aging aspects to tequila. You've got Blanco, which it can be called crystal. Um, this is going to be your unaged. Reposado, which is just going to be lightly rested up through about one year. Añejo is going to be anything over one year. Tequila hat is doing an extra Añejo category now that's going to be three years or older, but you don't see as many of those bottles. So if you want something that is going to be really light and citrusy and crisp, you want to go with a 100% blue agave that's going to be a Blanco. If you want something that's got a little bit more vanilla and caramel to it, can do a Reposado. Uh, and then if you're a really diehard cognac American whiskey drinker, you, you really like barrel, the barrel-aged flavors that come from something that's going to be sitting in the hot sun aging pretty rapidly, then you go with an Añejo. And then, too, you know, I, I have learned, while it, it may not necessarily be a Mexican spirit because it's made here, you know, now, nowadays you might also see the word agave spirit in America, which is basically yes. just a tequila that just was not distilled down down in Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of different uh, categories. I mean, even in, in the state of Jalisco itself, you've got uh, the rise of Ricea. Ricea can only be made in, in a couple spots in the state of Jalisco, but this is, it's made from a particular kind of agave that is not the Blue Weber. So it's made um, just a little bit differently. So it's a different kind of mezcal that's made in the same spot, but it cannot legally be called tequila. Uh, and then you've got a couple other ones. Bacanora is made in the Mexican state of Sonora, made very similarly to a lot of mezcals in Oaxaca, but it's made from one particular kind of agave, the Pacifico, and um, can only be made there. And then you've got Sotol, which is one of my favorite categories, which Sotol is made from something, it's a succulent called the Desert Spoon, is what it's known as. But in terms of taxonomy, it's no longer considered an agave. So we truly can't think of it as a mezcal. It's a separate kind of Mexican spirit since it's made from a different kind of plant. But at the same time, it is absolutely fantastic. And you'll get some similar tasting notes to mezcals. You'll get a lot of the, a little bit of the, the eucalyptus and the black peppercorn that you would get off of a lot of mezcals. You get similar flavor profile in Satoles, but altogether, it's, I mean, it's a really broad category nowadays. And then you, you even mentioned Mezcal, which I feel like nowadays is kind of its own separate branding here. 
what can people expect when they maybe see that on the shelves with that name here here in the, in the U.S.? Well, we're we're living in uh, a really good time because with the new mezcal regulations, everything is more transparent than it may have been five, especially ten years ago when you bought a mezcal. One of the things you'll notice about mezcals is all the good ones have a label full of things that you probably don't understand. They'll have the, the distillation year, sometimes the dates, the bottling dates, the producer, all the different types of agave that went into it. And all of this stuff is really important because in the last three years, they've really honed in on mezcal. So you can't just make what you used to be able to just make a mezcal and slap on label and send it out. There are now three different categories of mezcal. So if you see mezcal on the label, you know it's the lowest category doesn't mean that it's bad, it means that there are a lot of different production methods that they could have used to make it. If you see artisanal mezcal on the label, you know that those standards are going to be a little bit higher. They could only use brick ovens or lined pits for roasting, and they had to use, for example, clay pots or metal copper pots for distillation. And then when you see artisanal, that's kind of like the highest level. And you know, or I'm sorry, ancestral, you know that that is going to be the method that is most historically accurate. Uh, they're going to be more expensive, but you know you're going to be getting a higher quality because those are, the piñas are only going to be roasted in pits. Um, there's only going to be 100% agave fiber sugars used in the production of it. And you know that it's going to be made in a clay pot still. Uh, and so when you see that, you can see why it justifies the price. Uh, why it's a little bit higher because it's going to have the highest rating. And then for for those that are kind of intrigued by say a mezcal, because I feel like those drinks tend to have maybe have a little more variety in, in, in kind of the flavor profiles that you can get. What what would people be expecting when they they get to try something like that, say compared to a tequila or or something in that that region? That goes back to you know uh, we've talked a lot in this series about flavors coming from raw production. But you also have flavors that come about during the actual um, production of the spirit itself and not just the raw materials. So for the production of tequila, you're going to be cooking these via steam using brick ovens. And then then you're going to be fermenting and distilling it. But mezcal, although some lower levels of mezcal will use steam to help break down the piñas before distillation, most mezcals are going to use hornos, which are actually stone-lined pits in the ground. So they'll take the piñas, bury them, and actually cook them underground for sometimes two days, five days, seven days. Uh, that roasting process before fermentation and distillation is going to help create a lot of smoky flavors. This is why the word smoky is so attached to mezcal. You get smoked pineapple, um, smoked mango, all these like really, really rich dark fruit flavors that come about from it. Um, in it, whereas you know some lighter Mexican spirits may lend themselves more towards eucalyptus and peppercorn and rosemary, mezcals tend to lend themselves more toward roasted fruit, and that's because of the way in which the piña is cooked and broken down. I, I love that, and, and like we, we said at the beginning, this one was going to be a fun one because it is just so yeah. kind of wide with what they're able to do down there and. Would you see yes. a lot of these on the shelves, or would you see maybe small selections, things like that, that here? Now you're starting to see a lot more. Um, the price has gone up. Like I said, now that we have uh, a mezcal system 
that's a little bit more exacting and, and, and distillers have to disclose all of this information. You know, the price on a good ancestral mezcal is probably more in the 80 to $120 range now, but it's also a signifier of quality. So when you see an ancestral mezcal, you know it's gonna be made really well. You know it's not something that's really gonna be made for cocktails. This is gonna be a, a, a sipping mezcal. Um, so that's, that's always a, a good one to look for to see what the, what the rating of it is going to be. I, I love this. And I feel like we can do so much, uh, we could spend so much time on, on all yeah. of these and, and maybe that'll be a, a 200 level course as we <laughs> yeah. dive, dive deeper yeah. in, into all of them. Uh, Jake, this has been a blast and we'll be doing this maybe in a couple months, uh, as we go with, I think what's one of your favorite things and that's cocktails. Uh, that I am definitely looking forward to. <laughs> well, Jake, like I, I say always, this has been a pleasure, and I appreciate the time, man. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopsSpirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversation for our conversation is country artist Clay Hollis. Clay, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me on. What's going on? Not much, not much. Just enjoying a little drink. I, I got a little, I know you, you said beforehand you're not a big whiskey guy, but I got a little minor case rye, a little straight whiskey out of Kentucky. Um, you know, you got, what, what do you got going on? Anything good? Uh, man, we're, we're, we're busy. We're busy. And just for the record, I know we're recording. I missed everything you just said and asked me. I only heard, is everything going good? Um, I know we're up the internet might be kind of weird. So why don't you please repeat your question? <laughs> I was just saying, I've got some whiskey, but I was curious that, you know, if everything's going good and what you got going on that way. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's good. I'm, I'm not drinking today. I got, I got me a, a, a glass of ice cold water. Uh, I, uh, I do have to, I do have to run a few errands after this and, uh, that wouldn't be too smart, but, uh, I, I wish I could join you if it was, you know, it, it's Tuesday. I, I'll be honest. I, I try to, I try to stay off the drinking during the middle of the week. I, uh, we, we stay real busy on the road, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, home on Sundays. And we're normally, me and my boys like to have a good time. So those are my days. Of, I'm on my day of rest. You know? Well, you got, you got to recoup. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you are enjoying and having a little bit of fun, what's your drink of choice? Is it beer, tequila, something else? What, what are you going for? It, it just really depends on what mood I'm in. Um, I've, you know, I drink a little whiskey here and there. Uh, my, my drink of choice as of late is uh, either vodka soda or uh, a tequila soda. Um, and... Um, yeah, it just just depends on how I'm feeling and where I'm at, you know. Hey, I understand that but, completely. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and you know, I also have to ask this because if you're watching the episode, you can see he's kind of got the trucker hat on right now. But a lot of your pictures, you got a cowboy hat. Is it just depending on mood there Dude, too? Which yeah, yeah uh, the cowboy hat's always been like my stage hat, you know. Uh, um, I keep, I keep a couple sets of hats in my, my cap, my cowboy hat boxes and, um, sporting old good Josh Ward hat right here today. Um, just one of my go-to ball caps that I wear. I'm a ball cap kind of guy when I'm just, you know, a normal day around town or whatnot. Uh, sometimes I'll 
put gel in my hair if I'm going out and don't can't wear a cap or a cowboy hat somewhere. And it just really depends. I've got a lot, a lot of different looks. Without the hat, cowboy hat, ball cap, just depends. I cannot pull off a cowboy hat. I that, but, but I will say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a t-shirt kind of guy no matter where I'm going. If I can get by with wearing a t-shirt, you know, that's – that's my style. So <laughs> normally I don't dress up this much for, for the podcast. I got a little collared shirt on, but today just how the day went, I was like, you know what? I'm yeah. Thanks. On. Shirt. Sorry. I didn't do it. I should have done it too. <laughs> well, I forgot to give you that memo. Uh, but you know, you seem like a guy that likes to have fun. I, I think I was looking at your social media. I see you, you have maybe like a love for being on the water. Is that like a happy place for you when you're home and not on, on the road is that kind of where you go to just relax a little bit absolutely yeah uh i like to hide out in a little town called port aransas texas uh which is about two and a half hours south of san antonio which is san antonio's home base for me but uh i'm you know on my days off or you know if i I can get away for a day or two or three um i have a couple places i can hide out down there and I like to be on the water, love to go fishing. Um, I like to tinker a lot with boats and, and whatnot. And uh, just just kind of living an island lifestyle, if you will. Uh, it's just uh, something I've always done my whole life. I've always been around the water and, uh, you know, continue to do so in my free time. Now, now you, you said you tinker around with boats. Are you out there also like, you know, water skiing, waterboarding, doing anything crazy like that? Or are you, you just driving the boat and having fun? Uh, a little bit yeah i'll uh uh we we'll get out you know if we're doing a lake day we we like to do some surfing or some you know tubing or whatnot but uh when i'm when i'm down at the coast uh for the most part it's 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 tinkering with with boats and 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 operating and 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 things like that yeah now do you have it now you know i talked to to john wolf and you know, previously, and he said, you know, some of his hobbies, he liked to go antiquing and, and things like that. Do you have any unusual hobbies that, you know, or might seem unusual uh, for a guy like yourself? Or a place we wouldn't expect you uh, at? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really not, man. I'm, I'm one of the, the lamest guys you'll ever meet when it comes to, like, I, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I mean that condescendingly. I'm just very kind of basic, if you will. You're a simple I'm the type man. of guy that I'm a simple man. Like, hey, as long as uh, I can go out with some buddies, have a good time, we might go to the beer joint. We might go, you know, obviously play our shows and stuff. Catch me down at the coast. You know, I might be out on the water fishing. Um, every now, if you want, if you're asking at more of like a uh, something odd. Uh, you know, here in San Antonio, we have uh, we have an amusement park. You can every I'd say about once a year, once or twice a year, I'll go burn down a day at Six Flags and just ride roller coasters all day long. Like that's I every now and then you got to get a good uh, have to have a good adrenaline rush, and that's a good way to go do something off the wall. If you uh, you know every now and I like then. I like it. I like something it. Something I something I yeah. And uh, I love that and. You know, obviously, we're here to talk about kind of your your music career as well, and, and you got some new music coming out. You know, wh- how how long have you been playing music? Because I think you, you what you picked it up pretty much at a almost right in the crib. Is that kind of when it happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I always, I never, I didn't sing when I was younger. Uh, 
I um, was always kind of, you know, very inclined and enjoyed music. Uh, really enjoyed uh, watching live music, live bands. You know, I, I can recall when I was little, uh, one of my first concerts was going to the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo and watching uh, Alan Jackson and then Brooks and Dunn were some of the some of the two early on concerts I saw when I was real young as a kid. And, uh, and then of course, you know, um, because of my dad, you know, I, I grew up with, with different genres. I grew up with country um, with my mom and then I grew up with rock and roll from my dad. And so, you know, going to, going to see country concerts and rock and roll concerts, it, it kind of, you know, just along the way, I have found my own my own likes and interests and in different bands, and have taught myself other music and and just kind of. I, I think it's kind of now, uh, I'm able to express myself with with my own music uh, in ways that you know kind of attribute to both of those genres and and kind of the, the sounds and, and whatnot, if you will, uh, from listening to different you know, inspirations over the years. I mean, what were, were those the, the big ones? I mean, on the rock side, who did you have anyone that you just loved to, to hear that you were like, man, if I could just, you know, do that, I, I'd be, be in heaven. Never, yeah, never, never, never saw him in concert, but one of my favorite, absolute favorite is, is Tom Petty. Um, I grew up, my dad and I, you know, big Tom Petty fan. Uh, um, strangely enough, a lot of listeners might not know, who this next guy is, but uh, my, my dad's a very huge, uh, he's a Todd Rundgren fan. For those of you that don't know who Todd Rundgren, he's a, uh, you know, old school 70s rocker, uh, uh, kind of classic rock sounding, uh, um, anyhow, but really great composer and whatnot. And so I remember my very first rock concert was, uh, was seeing Todd Rundgren with, uh, I think it was, uh, well, just recently we went to Austin and saw Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates with Todd Rundgren, so that was a recent concert. But uh, I, I remember early on, yeah, seeing, seeing guys like that. Uh, other, you know, um, the British prog rock era, you know, um, grew up on bands like Yes and Toto, and um, you know, Peter Gabriel. That kind of stuff was with my, was my dad's bag, and I just kind of adopted it, and and it, it's cool to listen to those guys, you know, because they're. Uh, they're getting up there, and there's some of them are still kicking and, and playing and rocking, and uh, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Well, it, it sounds like you you were a lot like me growing up, and your your iPod. I'm gonna date myself. My iPod, you know, just hit it on shuffle, and you just never know what was gonna come across, whether it was country, old classic, Absolutely. you know, pop, a little hip hop or something, and it just kind of all all anything that was good just you know rose to the top. Absolutely, yeah. And then, you know, growing up in Texas, what impact did that have on you? Because I feel like there's just a different sound down there, you know, that, that kind of resonates. You know, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's a good question. A lot of people always ask, like, hey, you know, like what, what classifies Texas country? And, you know, I don't really know if I have a good answer or not. Uh, I, I can just tell you that growing up in Texas, um, it allowed me to um, be exposed to many different cultures and sounds of music. Um, you know, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. So growing up, you know, we'd go visit my grandparents in Laredo and, 
all you would hear on the radio the whole time is just Tejano music, just blaring, you know, Norteños and Corridos and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then, we, you know, being home in San Antonio or visiting my, my dad's grandparents uh, in Dallas, and we would go to rock concerts or, you know, go every year. Um, the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo for, for 20 years in a row, you know, I, I don't think I've missed a, a single annual stock show event where they have major performers. So it just, you know, being in Texas and there's so many different cultures and, and genres and, and walks of life, really, uh, it just kind of, I've navigated, you know, the whole, my whole life, different, different sounds and different people. And here I am. So I just, I, it's, it's really diverse down here. It, and, and I think that's, that kind of, you know, helps, uh, grow you as a person and um you know still still finding out still finding out a lot of things too so oh, absolutely I, well and, and, and like you i was gonna say like you said it, it lets you really experience things and kind of figure out what you want your sound to be i mean and kind of how you want to incorporate everything and you can have a lot of fun with that yeah it, it's definitely uh um kind of a uh I don't know, like a, it's, it's like a puzzle in a way, like, you, you know, I, we're, especially, I'm working on a new record, for example, and, and this new record's got a lot of new sounds and different things that I haven't done in the past, and, um, you know, it's, it's just neat to see that whole process happen, and uh, especially now, uh, you know, I'm a little older, and I've been playing music for, for you know, going on like eight years now, um, professionally like like really getting busy getting getting busy at it and uh this new full-length album that we have coming out is is gonna be really neat um i'm, I'm excited and uh you know like i said it's got it's got a little bit of everything on it uh especially the writing um i've been writing this, these are songs that i've been writing towards and from since covid you know so it's accumulation of of you know material over the past you know two years and um, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't wait for that to come out. And um, I, I can credit, you know, live, just living life down here in Texas and, and, you know, going back and forth and riding with other people and just kind of, you know, there's a story, somewhat of a story behind it, but uh, really it's just a lot of, a lot of the materials, just uh, good, relatable, you know, points that, you know, everyone's been through a love you know, or a, a breakup or, you know, living life, looking back on things. And I think this new album is going to take you to all those places. Yeah. Like as you talk about like writing and things like that, I'm always curious, you know, from different people's perspectives of, of what it's like. Cause you know, whether you're writing, co-writing, are you pulling from experiences or maybe an idea or like, you know, a little bit of an experience, but building on it. Cause Sometimes that can be weird, you know, sharing some personal things or, or at least getting that out there. Or my favorite was, I think it was uh, Dane Lewis uh, saying that, you know, I grew up in a small town. I wrote about things that happened. You knew who it was most, <laughs> most likely. And, you know, it could be a little weird. Yeah. Then. You know, what's what's that like for you? You know, maybe maybe so for some guys. You know, I grew up in the city, you know, here in San Antonio, uh, I'd like to say I grew up in a small town, but that's just not the case. So we, we, we kind of, every time I get away to the country, I would. Um, but as far as like 
a person that can write about being from a small town, I never had that those uh, you know stories to tell, um, and still still really don't. So my whole process of writing is completely different. So I'm not the type of writer that can you know write a write a song or tell a story about something that happened in my life. Most of the time, my songs come crafted from just melodies and one-liners of, of things I hear or say or maybe something I saw. Um, and, it, and it's more so coming into the writer's room with other co-writers and saying, hey, look, here's what I've got. What do you have? Let's, let's build and make a song today. And that's kind of the writing I've been, the style of writing I've been doing um, over the past couple of years. Um, I can tell you this much that I'm 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 not the kind of guy to sit down and write a song by myself. I actually despise that. Uh, I I <laughs> lack creative skills when it comes to um, writing, um, and I I'm the type to get flustered easily, and I just say to hell with it. And I'd rather write when there's two other working brains in the room and we can bounce each ideas off of each other. That's what I like to do. Hey, I, I get that. I, while I don't write music, I still my my quote unquote day job is writing stories and things like that. And you know, it, it helps sometimes to you know talk talk things through and, and build off of ideas. And you know, for for you as you've gone along, you know, you put out your first EP in in 2017, then another one in 2020. How has you know everything built for you to this new album? And also, what was it like putting out an album you know in 2020 in late 2020 when everything in the world was going crazy? Man, it, you know, I, I don't sugarcoat things. I, I think releasing my album in 2020 was the worst thing we could have done. Um, but I'm happy it's out. Um, it was tough. You know, the, the album was actually recorded in January of 2020. And we were hoping at the time, we were hoping for a, you know, a mid, spring, late springtime or, you know, early summertime release for that album. And when the whole world shut down, you know, I was just like, well, man, I'm not gonna. We, you know, you you couldn't go tour on it. You couldn't you couldn't make any money on it. Like you couldn't. You, it's a tool. Like the you, you, besides besides the album being you know available for my fans, which I'm glad it is, and 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 it's a relief for people. It's also you know a way for me to get busy and use that, utilize that as a tool to go out and tour and and meet people and play shows and grow fans and man we couldn't do it and it was uh you know it was frustrating um you know we we still had good success we had we we, we had a good you know um re reaction from a lot of people i think the album came out honky tonk highway came out in october of 2020 and then my uh my second single off the album, we, we released Here I Go Again on in Texas radio and, and, and other, you know, Red Dirt radios, you know, in Kentucky and uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma and South Dakota. I remember going on a radio tour all the way up through there and um, people playing, hearing my music. And, uh, you know, that that's awesome. And that was great. And and it led to uh, a, a number top 10 single with Here I Go Again. And then it led to a, a number one on Texas radio with uh, my song called Anybody Loving You Lately that came off of the Honky Tonk Highway album. So, and that, but that, that happened in uh, early 2021, I want to say. 
Um, so we were, uh, COVID, you know, it was kind of, it was still relevant and we were able to, we were, you know, out playing shows again, but, uh, it's not like it is now how everything's back to wide open. Um, so who knows what would have happened had, you know, we'd been like where we are now and I had released Tonky Tonk Highway. Um, but I will say it was a setback for sure. Well, and you know, now, now you're back in the studio. I know you, you know, when this comes out, I think you will have actually released a, a new single. So what's that like being back in the studio, working on new music? And I'm guessing you've got, you said a full length album coming out and some singles along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk about excited, man. It, it's been a, it's been quite the process. It's a, this is a self, uh, you know, not self-produced. I co- I'm co-producing this uh, with with Matt Zavala, who's who's our main producer, and he's also my uh, my bass player and the engineer. Uh, he engineered my vocals and everything. We've got 11 brand new songs on this album. We don't even know what it's called yet. Um, I have no idea. Um, but we we recorded 11 songs in one day. Check that out. I mean that's kind of unheard of and uh, we recorded with uh, our buddy Evan Hutchins up in Nashville had a all-star band uh, come in and record um, and we knocked out 11 songs started tracking at like nine in the morning and we weren't done we didn't get out of there till like nine o'clock at night and uh, we trucked all day long pumped out 11 songs and then uh, that was in April and then brought the the tracks home to texas and we have a studio here in town and uh literally started working on vocals the week after we got back from nashville and uh have literally just been chipping away at the album vocally and overdubs and you know different different things and um just knocking each track out one by one and um we actually just got the master back from our first single that should be coming out uh next month in july it's a, it's a track called uh, can't get back talks about tells a story of uh just kind of looking back on your life and and you know seeing what's uh you know just all those good times that you had and and uh and the i don't want to give away the the tag but I, I will it's it's the the tag is uh here's to the days you can't get back something that everyone can cheers to so absolutely I, I will cheers to that I, I was gonna say as soon as you said the title I was like I think I know where that's going and I like the like it already yeah. and you know as, as you're back in you, you talked about this album kind of being a different sound or most likely being a little bit of a different sound how have you evolved you know from that first release in 17 to now and and how's how's everything you know for you gone with that um, I think uh, the first thing people are gonna notice sonically is is my vo- my vocals Um you know, when I recorded my first album, I, I jokingly tell people, I was like, oh, yeah, I was 12 years old when that first EP came out. Because if you look at the cover, I look like a baby, you know, in <laughs> 2017. It seems like forever ago. But uh, you can actually, you can hear just on the recording how young I sound. Um, and then, you know, you compare that to what's getting ready to come out. And I think you can tell the... Uh, you know how my voice has matured you know over the years um uh i, I sound you know like a grown-up now <laughs> and, and, and uh uh don't sound like i uh you know just got out of diapers or something but uh no other than that you know 
uh, I, I, I'm very happy and proud of, of where my vocals and what they sound like. Um, and then sonically with, with the songs themselves, the production is, is incredible. The, uh, you know, the, uh, the musicians that played on it, uh, the parts that were recorded are very, um, melodic, very, uh, ear, ear candy, like very, you know, cool riffs and sounds, stuff that's going to be, you know, it's going to get in your memory. You're going to be singing that to yourself. A lot of these tracks. And, um, to me, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a melody guy, uh, versus a lyric kind of guy. So, uh, the first thing a song, when I hear a song is, is, you know, what does it sound like before? What do the lyrics talk about? Um, and you know, I just I'm just that kind of person, and it's very uh, it's very it, it, it's country, it's modern, but uh, it's still got you know loud guitars. There's steel guitar all over it, a lot of cool sounding piano riffs and organ riffs and whatnot to just help attribute you know a, a great a great sound. Sorry about that, um, and uh, you know uh, especially uh, we 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 called in our buddy uh, uh, guy guy out of san antonio here or the south texas area um and uh he uh james hurtless is is our harmony singer on the album and uh we kind of went uh above and beyond on the harmonies um my my bass player matt who's the producer as well is also singing harmonies so it's uh we're going to be able to carry those over to the live show you know fairly fairly well um and so that's why i was like it almost sounds like a uh you know, a group project, if you in a way, and it, and and it all revolves around my vocal. But uh, there's some really cool harmonies that are, are going to be showcased on this album, uh, versus you know that haven't been on the first two albums. So I'm excited about that. And uh, you know, it's just a uh, it's a long process. We're not even done yet, but we're hoping to deliver this thing by September. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, it it makes me excited to hear hear all that, and it sounds like it's a hell of a, a team teamwork on it all and you know you talked about getting out to shows and being able to you know take what is on the album and you know people be expected to hear that what's what's it like for you playing shows because i know you you love being out there and you love just being able to you know meet people and and sing in front of everyone you know i i, I enjoy it uh my, my favorite thing is seeing people um you know dance to, to the music or and or uh, we're a, a lot of times you know every show we're, we're seeing more and more fans sing the music which is uh, you know a new kind of thing for us uh, in a way because you know over over the past couple of years you know we're trying to build that fan base and um, you know it, some you know people don't really know you yet and and but now we're starting to see a lot of uh, familiar faces at some of the reoccurring shows we go to and they're there in the front row um singing my music and that just makes me happy i'm tickled to death and any even if they're not singing my music if, if the dance floor is packed that's just as good in my book uh you know the people are dancing and and uh and enjoying themselves and then you know the ability to go um shake people's hands after after a show and you know have a drink with them stand at the merch booth at the end of the night um I, I will say, you know, I'll, I'll let everyone know that my, my biggest weakness is, is my memory. Um, I, I'm the worst when it comes to remembering names. Um, so I, I can almost guarantee you I will not remember your name, un, you know, until like two or three times. But I will typically remember your face. Um, 
but that's what I enjoy. I mean, just either way, getting at being able to meet them and and uh, you know says hey you know come see us again can't you know please do and you know we always get oh can't wait to come back and and uh, I know for me and my band that's that means the world to us and that's awesome. Well, it, and it's a long way too from you know back when you were were seventeen selling merchandise you know for for John Wolf I mean. Well, was that the point of your life when you were out on tour with him where you're like, no, this is what I want to do. This is when I want to go. Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I, I was actually, uh, I was just out of high school. So I think it was, uh, I was 18 and, um, I had already been playing and kind of had a, had a, like a part-time band, like just, you know, here and there players revolving door, but we were playing locally in San Antonio a lot. And then, uh, I had already been a John Wolf fan and, he knew who I was, and uh, you know, it, it just I had been going to his concerts over the years while while I had been in high school, and then after high school, I, I think I, I got a call from him one day, like he needed some help, and uh, he offered to you know show me the show me the ropes and and come out and you know live the road life, and and I took him up on that opportunity, and and we we've grown to be very uh, good good buddies, and and. Um, I, I love John to death, and 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 I did. Uh, you know, I think we put in about a year and three or four months on the road with him. Uh, I say we, I, I did. And uh, anyhow, it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good learning experience. I learned a lot of the road, but um, the, the, more so, the reason I took the gig with him was to learn, was to learn the road. Uh, I already was playing music and knew that I wanted to play music before then. Um, but you know, at that capacity of being able to travel and see how it is city to city, that was new to me, and that's that's what I really liked. Uh, you know, up until the point I had I had already been playing local bars and honky tonks in San Antonio, but that scene is I already had that down pat. You know, so getting out on the road with John was was very eye opening. I was gonna say it's it's a little different going city to city, night to night, and setting up sound checks and yeah. and and big venues that that can uh you know bring in a lot of people it's, it's very uh yeah it's a very uh you know revolving door it's the same routine every day just a different city and new faces that's what makes it fun well and you know while, while it's fun what was it like for you to actually go okay now i'm gonna do this you know now i, I want to make this happen and actually take that step you know when you actually pursue it and go full-time or something like that what was that like for you was it nerve-wracking or was it like nope this is where i was supposed to be all along um i, I you know I, I truly think that i'm i'm where i need to be uh i have a continuous end of support from my parents and from my my grandparents and all my close friends and family that have pushed me um but uh, you know, most of it comes from self-drive and, and uh, you know, just wanting to wanting to do it. And um, I've, luckily, I've been blessed to to be able to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of it's self-funded. A lot of it, you know, I you know, my parents uh, are willing to help out here and there if, if we're you know need, need, needing something or um, you know they don't want to see us fail. So uh, I'm very blessed to have that. You know and um, but for the most part, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I kind of, I kind of ask myself that question a lot. It's like, man, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? And I, I, 
gosh darn, I don't, I don't have an answer for it. I, I don't, I guess nothing, you know, I, I would just be doing this like that. Love, I love the new Luke Combs song. What, what would you, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I'm sure you've heard it. And it's exactly that whole scenario. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? And it's, you know, hell, I'd probably just be playing in a bar somewhere. And, uh, yeah, that or fishing for a living. Both. <laughs> Hell, I don't know. I was going to say, you could do both, and, and you could still do both. I mean, it's a, it's a little fun being on, on the water for that, you know. And, uh, you know, also, too, with being able to do this for a career, you're able to also kind of give back and, you know, kind of use your music to benefit organizations. Why? I, I know you do a good bit of that. Why, why is that important to you to kind of be able to give back and, and just, you know, kind of do something fun and and you know, enjoyable. Like uh, it just, it, it's one of those things that I think that, um, if you don't do it as a person in my, you know, just my personal opinion that you, you know, you're, everyone's got to do their part somehow to give back. And, and I, you know, luckily through my gift of music, if it brings joy and happiness to, you know, a, a group of people, uh, then, then that's what I'll do. And luckily, uh, I've been fortunate to find some good um, organizations to do that with, um, and a lot, a lot of times it's with first responders and and uh, veterans and whatnot. And there's a couple of different organization, nonprofit places uh, here, you know, uh, here in San Antonio, South Texas, that uh, that do that. Allow these, you know, uh, people to come in and, and decompress and find themselves again and maybe just get away from the real world for a few days and you know they call in musicians like me and some of my other buddies and and we we get to come in and just talk and and play music and and just enjoy life together and um it to me that's special um i really enjoy that i think it's important and uh not only that but like just uh giving back to the kids uh as well you know i was a 4-h student um for you know, I raised animals and shot on the shotgun team, and um, I'm actually uh, doing a 4-H fundraiser for my for my old chapter here in town uh, later this year. So uh, it's cool to see to see that come around full circle, and my old organization come back and ask, you know, hey, would you would you want to do this with us? And you know, you don't have to hesitate. Just absolutely, you know, let's do it. You know, so um, it's it's neat. It's just. Uh, just something that I think everyone should uh, should do at some point. That's or you know sparingly with whatever time you have available to to give back, man. That's it. It, it makes an impact on, on oneself. I, I know that from serving on boards and things like that. And you know, as, as we wrap up, you can find Clay at uh, ClayHollis.com, social media as well. And you know, f as you go through, you still got you know like half the year left. You know, what can folks expect from you the rest of 2022? Oh man, uh, working on dates. Uh, we're we're uh, you know we're we're just trying to uh, come to a city near you. Um, trying to keep the calendar full with tour dates. Um, keep my band busy. New music, of course, coming coming September. Uh, trying to think. Um, I think we're working on trying to get out to uh, Las Vegas for NFR, which is kind of a big thing for a lot of the rodeo community and country music, Texas Red Dirt, country music in general. And that might be a first for us this year. Um, you know, other than that, just uh, 
we're like I said, just content. Like uh, looking looking for uh, look for the new music. Look for the tour dates. Uh, look for some cool internet. Um, you know, content. Maybe a music video this year. I don't know. Um, I've got a really cool. If, if for for a moment, uh, uh, I got a really cool opportunity. We're uh, we're doing a Clay Hollis Festival in Key West, Florida, at the end of July, which is going to be my first annual festival. Something I've always wanted to do. Uh, besides playing, is, is I love I love seeing other putting on things. Uh, being a producer or a promoter is something that uh, I like to dabble with, and this is my this is my very first uh, uh, out of state festival with my name on it and i'm bringing uh you know about six or seven of my uh, my good friends uh down to florida with us and we're gonna be taking over it's called the clay hollis texas takeover week in key west at the smoke and tuna saloon and uh we're just gonna play some country music and some covers and have a good time and party it up down in key west florida for four nights and uh i'm i'm blessed that i have some friends that are, are want to come down there with me well that that sounds so like a, a lot of fun <laughs> yeah it, it's gonna be a lot of fun it's all revolved around uh you know uh the lobster mini season down there where everyone from all over the world shows up to key west florida to go diving for lobsters and uh we're there that week and it's called it's called the clay hollis texas takeover and friends so uh you know, if you're in Florida and you're hearing this, uh, or if you know people in Florida, or if you're in Texas, or if you're in Kentucky, or wherever you're at, fly your butt down to Florida and come hang out with us. Uh, so, I'm, you know, we're looking forward to that, and uh, we're looking forward to the album release that's going to be an uh, album release party in San Antonio uh, in September. And, uh, yeah, man, like, like I said, just, just tour dates, content, new album, festivals, uh, who knows what's next? I don't know. You know, but, uh, that's, that's kind of where we're headed. Oh, well, I was gonna say people just need to stay tuned. A lot of fun coming up. Sounds like a lot of exciting things. And Clay, man, this was a, a blast and, and I appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing, uh, a, a water with me and, uh, and just, you know, sharing a little bit about yeah. it. I appreciate it. Gotta hydrate.